Welcome to the second episode of Season 2 of the AgriFood Comscast. It's February 2021 and a month in lockdown. But we've sought out some cheer where we can find it this month. Indeed, we discovered how suggesting combining Weetabix and baked beans is a certain recipe for a fantastic PR coup. We salute you, Frank PR. And also a month where we all delighted in a Texas lawyer getting caught out by a filter, turning him into a cat on Zoom. Proof of how the light-hearted side of communications can bring a smile and lift our spirits, which leads me perfectly onto the topic of today's episode. We're focusing on the timely issue of mental well-being at the grassroots level of the food and farming supply chain and the communications challenge in reaching out and achieving meaningful support where it's most needed. We kick off with speaking to RABI CEO Alicia Shivers and Corporate Partnership Manager Susie Dealey. A very warm welcome to you both. Thank you. Now, RABI has set itself a hugely ambitious target to deliver the biggest farming survey of its kind. It's been delivered, uh, as I understand, in partnership with the University of Exeter and supported by key stakeholders and partners across the agricultural industry. The big farming survey is live until the end of March, with the goal of achieving a massive 26,000 responses from the farming community. So before we go on to talk about how you've gone about getting the kind of uptake that you're after, what broadly are you trying to achieve ultimately with this uh, survey, Alicia? So just to give a a wee bit of context, um, we know as a charity and as a sector there are a huge range of really significant and complex challenges that are facing farming people already and we expect these to really probably increase over the coming years. Now what we don't have however is any real evidence base as to uh, how these challenges have impacted and are impacting on the physical and mental well-being of farming people. So we felt as a charity to be able to understand what these challenges are and how they're impacting on people and to get that firsthand from the people that really matter, i.e. those people that are in and around farming, then we needed to undertake this survey um, now so that we have that baseline from which we can really understand how we need to evolve and progress our services um, so that we are really able to provide the support that's needed from our community over the coming years. So that was the start of the process, really. Okay, so, I mean, hugely important and, you know, we all know sort of the the mental health well-being uh, issue. Um, I think uh, the pandemic has brought it all to our attention how important uh, that is. Uh, but I guess when you know you first came up with the the concept for a survey on this kind of uh, scale, sort of the challenge in getting the kind of responses that you were after was was perhaps quite daunting. I, I think it's. I mean, you know, without a doubt, this is hugely ambitious. Um, we did feel, however, that there is such value to this survey that um, the responses, both from a statistical point of view, but also that engagement of giving farming people 
a genuine voice to feel heard for no other reason that it's important, you know, that we understand how they are feeling. So this isn't driven by trying to uh, sell a service or give them specific solutions, that to get validity of that voice, that actually being ambitious in this way was hugely, hugely important. So there's a real mix of, yes, getting a really strong statistical base that we can work from with the sector. So we will be releasing the findings to the wider stakeholders within agriculture. Um, but also, as I said, to make sure that farmers actually genuinely felt represented and had that opportunity to let the sector know how they are doing rather than make assumptions about that. And we're not just looking for the the negative responses here. Whilst we have clearly indicators that things, it's a pretty tough time out there, you know, we're making assumptions. And that's really, again, coming back to why we have to do this. We don't have the evidence that tells us genuinely how people are doing right now. Um, so, yes, really daunting um, with some of the stakeholders. So some of the research bodies we actually initially talked to pretty much told us we didn't we couldn't do this. It simply wouldn't happen. This was something that was unachievable to get anything other than maybe a couple of thousand responses. But um, we are nothing if not ambitious for the people we support and serve. So we're doing it anyway. Fantastic. I, I love that uh, that boldness in the face of uh, you know potential doubts. That's great. Um, so, Susie, um, you know, in terms of actually raising awareness amongst the farming community, and you know, not just awareness, but actually engagement beyond that. What what do you think has been sort of the the key thing? I think it started actually from the initial concept. We knew that we felt that this was a really important piece of work, but we also needed to get the backing and the, the thoughts of the industry and who going to be on this and whether they thought this was something that was needed, um, wanted, and something also that, that they would find useful. Um, and we worked with some um, key organisations, for example, um, the NFU. We've worked with um, Worshipful Company of Farmers. We've got the farming press involved. Um, we also work with Welsh Government and DEFRA um, and also the Farmer Networks to give us a really broad perspective of what the industry looks like. And they were, you know, some really good organisations within that. And we knew that we'd really need their backing and their involvement to reach that wider audience, because in order for this to be a success, it was all very well and good that we felt it was going to be important. We wanted this, uh, this broad basis of evidence, but we knew that the whole industry would have to get behind it. So we started that key stakeholder group um, and then we've worked over the past year in the run up to this, really engaging a much wider stakeholder um, audience across the industry. And the uh, the response from them has been absolutely phenomenal. Uh, I think we, 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 we thought, we hoped we would get a great response, but um, I think it's it's been incredible, even from our point of view. We I, we really have had no negativity at all. Um, every organisation we've spoken to really has said, gosh, this is such an important an important survey. And yes, we really, really would like to know, um, you know, what the sector, what our community thinks. So it's been important for us to engage properly across England and Wales um, because we, we support both communities. Um, and obviously there are, you know, there's differences in those two. So we've worked... Um, we've had some great support in terms of actually getting the survey out there. Um, so our thanks go to the Farming Press, to the NFU, to the CLA, um, who have all mailed this out for us, and Tenants Farmers Association, actually. 
Um, and FUW have been enormously supportive also. Um, that's just to name but a few because I think across the board, the industry has been brilliant. So in terms of actually mailing the printed copies out for us, um, and obviously University of Exeter also mailed a, a large number of farms themselves for us. Uh, and many, many other organisations have been supporting us in terms of sharing that online link. So their support for us is invaluable. It's all very well and good for us to go out to the farming community and tell them how important we think it is. But it needs to be trusted, trusted individuals, trusted bodies um, within that industry um, voicing you know, their their endorsement for it. That is that I think is key to our success and also key in engaging them going forward in finding those solutions and in um, developing those services to support the sector. Mm. And and I think that support, it, you know, I think it's gone beyond just, oh, yes, that's a lovely thing that you're doing. Um, and I think perhaps the, the launch event was testimony of that. Yeah, we were thrilled. So um, the launch event itself, what we did is we had um, a, both a media and a stakeholder launch and we um, introduced the survey itself, some of the kind of facts and some of the details around it. But we were also thrilled to receive lots of testimonials from people and sort of influence their little videos, if you like, and pictures about people, how they thought the industry should get involved um, and throwing their weight behind it, really. So that's been a really, really key part for us and will continue to be for the length of while the survey is live. Fantastic. So what do you think in terms of sort of big, big wins in reaching out to, to farmers? Is there anything you can sort of pinpoint that's, uh, that's been particularly successful? I think for us, it's that we were very lucky that from right at the start, we had some of those really key um, organisations on board who have helped us get out to their networks. Because while, you know, we, we have a great networks ourselves, it's the tip of the iceberg, really. It's a, it's a big community. It's a small community, too, but it's also a lot of people to get out there, too. And to help us deliver that message that it's the whole farming community that we're trying to get to, we could only really get that if we really engage the whole industry in, in helping us to tell that message. So we've just been thrilled with the level of support um, that they've put behind it. Brilliant. Uh, so approximately halfway through the, the campaign, you know, where do you, putting this to, to both of you really, where do you feel that you've you've got to, because there's one thing, um, raising awareness isn't there and everyone's, oh, this is a fantastic, you know, it's honourable, this is great, but possibly thinking that doesn't apply to me, this is for, for someone else, I guess that's a, a bit of a risk. I think yeah. it absolutely is, um, without a doubt. And I think now is almost the most crucial point of the survey in many ways having got the incredible support from our stakeholders sort of prior to and at the launch point then we had a, a fairly strong expectation and hope that we would get that initial response and actually now is really about how we continue to message and work with those stakeholder groups to ensure that probably some of the the kind of normal sectors in our, our farming people who kind of don't tend to respond and don't put their, their, their head up um, for things, realise that this really does matter to them as well as, as everybody else. And we know that that will happen through, as Susie said earlier, it's the trusted peer-to-peer -peer networks, which is why having all of these stakeholder groups remaining engaged with them and having really, I think, supporting that uh, 
with communications around is why I've completed my survey from the people that they know and respond to. That's why this part probably of the campaign is so fundamental. The additional responses from people who otherwise would just perhaps not have seen this as relevant to them because they're not a big owner occupier or a ten, you know, whatever, you know, however they perceive the important, you can hear me putting the, um, the brackets around that, they do not see themselves as being an important voice in farming. Every individual survey we, we get back is important, but that needs to come not from me, that needs to come from the people that matter to them, the people they know and trust. So again, that's that kind of local network piece of having, you know, the strategy and the campaign that's supporting them to actually, you know, be visible and say, I've done this and this is why it matters. This is why you need to do it. We can tell them that from day till night. It needs to come from people that mean something to them. Yeah, that's uh, one of the, the biggest uh, tricks and something, you know, that uh, we're we're often very much preaching is that that trust piece and it's you know it's getting to those who've got those trusted uh, relations and uh, you know it's a absolutely fantastic uh, uh, initiative that you're you're working on and you know I'm particularly proud that uh, Pinstone's been able to uh, sort of support you in uh, um, in in getting that that awareness and 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 engagement so sort of going from here what's the next what's the next steps well, I guess we're clear the survey is still out at the moment. So as um, you and your team will know, Catherine, there's still a lot of work going on to support this kind of the second phase push of the survey to make sure that we really do get those responses back and they continue to come through after that initial surge, which has been great. Um, but we're actually now moving as well in the background. So the team at Exeter are just starting to process the surveys they're getting back. So over the next coming sort of weeks and months, probably months rather than weeks, we'll start to understand some of the thematics. We're not going to get into the real detail of it, but we'll start to get some of the outcomes um, already sort of um, from that survey that we can start to put together what we think the key findings are going to be and start to think about actually how does this translate to the really important bit? How does this translate into how we're going to develop services and have these conversations across the industry about what needs to happen. It's the so what phase we're moving into. So um, still really exciting while it's out that we keep getting that momentum. But actually, internally, we probably are now starting to transition into the so what. How do we use this information to really benefit the people that we serve as a charity? Because that's fundamentally what it's all about. That's the crux of it all, isn't it? That uh, it's all very well getting that outreach, getting that data, but then really using it um, meaningfully. So, uh, well, I, I, like I say, fantastic campaign, and the very best of luck as you go forward, and uh, you know, in the in the months and, and years ahead, sort of seeing how it all all pans out. So, thank you very much. Thank you, Catherine, and we're very happy to have Pinstone along on the journey with us on this. So. Um, it's exciting. It's a it's a time of evolution for our sector and it's also a time of evolution for our charity. So we just need to make sure we never lose sight of what really matters. And that's the people in agriculture that we serve. So exciting times. Perfect. Thank you so much.
Now, Run 1000 is another charitable initiative that's proved a pandemic success story for the food and farming sector. It's brought a community together in spite of lockdown and reached out nationally and indeed globally to motivate people working across the bread sector to take part. In doing so, it's been a stimulus for those getting involved to support their own mental well-being, as well as raising money for five rural mental health charities. I'm interested in how the brains behind Run 1000 went about instigating a communications campaign that not only raised awareness of the fundraiser, but motivated so many to get out and take part themselves. I'm with the founder and Scottish team captain Sheena Horner and also Emma Picton-Jones, who headed up the winning Welsh team. Welcome to you both. Thanks, Catherine. So, Sheena, just outline what, just for those who perhaps haven't haven't heard of it for um, what, whatever planet they've been on, but uh, just outline what the challenge was and how it worked. Um, Run 1000 was an initiative um, thought of by myself to um, get countries competing against each other um, to see who could um, run stroke walk a thousand miles first which um, actually was a really silly target in hindsight because um, two of the teams managed to reach a thousand miles in the first 24 hours but but the real thing was to actually get people out and about um, exercising taking time out from work and just having some time for themselves right and there was a, a competitive aspect between nations wasn't there yeah, it was just competitive, but also in fun. We always think of the Six Nations, how um, we all love rugby, or quite a few of us do anyway, and how the competitive nature and banter. And obviously, we can't get to those games either this year, so we thought we would we would try something along the same lines and get people thinking about their mental health. Brilliant. So, how many te- you had? You had a number of teams all all taking part, and everyone sort of counting their mileage. Is is that right? Yeah, well, there was England, Scotland, Wales, Ireland, and also the rest of the world. And they all had their um, own Strava groups, basically, and that way we managed to record the mileage. Brilliant. OK, so how many people got involved and, and what's been the, the sort of scale of its its success? Um, we had over 1,200 people taking part. And um, as I said, the 1,000 miles was a, a bit of a, a silly idea because we actually um, managed to walk the circumference of the world two and a half times. Wow. <laughs> do, you, do you know how many miles that was? They um, covered 64,785 miles, which, as you say, really does put that 1,000 mile target. <laughs> looks ridiculous now. <laughs> I think maybe it's, it should be 100,000 next year and uh, <laughs> see where you go with that. So, Emma, your Welsh team, uh, how many runners? So we had over 400 runners. It was just an amazing experience. I think that um, to be in charge of kind of Team Wales was was brilliant. And Sheena kind of really came up with the the idea and was the brains behind it. And for us, it was about drumming up, um, you know, drumming up support and getting people interested, involved, which is almost kind of like the easy part of it, I suppose. Right. Okay. That's that's interesting. So I think was it throughout the whole of January? Uh, was that the the sort of the time period? Yeah, that's right. So the actual run um, was taking place throughout the month of January, but actually there was a lot of legwork up until that point. So we spent the months up until then really kind of drumming up support, getting people involved. And I think, you know, it was a few reasons why so many people were getting involved. One being the fact that it was um, an, an international competition. So we were pitting countries against each other and 
you know, we're all a competitive bunch of people. And like Sheena was saying about the Six Nations, you know, we all kind of wanted to beat each other. And I think that once you start saying, oh, we're going up against England and Scotland and whatever, people are really keen to get involved and kind of do their bit for their country on that part. But also the fact that, you know, that it was um, the mental health aspect of it as well. You know, it wasn't any kind of coincidence that it was happening in January. Sheena planned because of the fact that it is a really difficult month for many people. You know, it's that come down after Christmas. We've all been in lockdown for kind of a long time now as well. And I think it was just, you know, that we've kind of several, the weather's Lincoln terrible in January. It still is now in February, mind. But, you know, it's uh, it's kind of a few things all linked in together. And I think that having it in January was it gave pe- people a good excuse to get out and about and to do something that was different from the norm. And so it kind of, um, you know, between using social media and, and kind of using our own contacts as well, we managed to drum up quite a lot of people before we even started the event. We had, you know, we all had a good base of, of, t- of a team kind of in our Strava groups. And then we managed to build on that then through January as well. Okay, so um, Sheena, obviously you didn't just wake up on the first of January and uh, decide to uh, to get get going. What was sort of the the time period in the in the run up to January, and sort of how did you sort of go about generating the awareness and and starting to get people involved at the beginning? I think initially, once we got the team captains organised and we knew who was going to captain each team, we actually launched social media. So we had an Instagram, Facebook and Twitter account, but we didn't have very much information. We just kind of had watch this space coming soon. All will be revealed on the 12th of October. And that coincided with Ag Mental Health Week. And we actually launched it on the first day of that. Brilliant. So that was a real milestone then that um, I guess for a lot of sort of the wider uh industry sort of latched, latched on to the hashtag and you know what was being talked around that to sort of kick things off yeah and it actually it helped support both because we were promoting like mental health week and in the end return we're, we're promoting run 1000 so it was getting hopefully to a wider audience and Ag Mental Health is an, an international program that was started by the um, Irish team captain Pete Hines Right. Brilliant. So did, did you actually sort of see a correlation to people starting to, to sign up and, you know, sort of the, the hashtag really gaining gaining traction from, from that week? I think probably we got a bit of intake that, that first week in interest. And actually, I was on a um, Facebook live, se- live session with Pete on the Monday evening. So that kind of that was the big announcement. And then we started spreading the word. And I think it kind of slowly picked up from there and it was probably quite a slow process until November, December time when it really, really went for it and then actually as soon as people actually got involved and they started tweeting their runs or they'd been out walking and taking photographs with the hashtag then it really picked up momentum. I didn't see myself but somebody actually said that Run 1000 actually was trending on the 1st of January. Brilliant. No, that's absolutely fantastic. So, um, you know, you mentioned the, the competitive uh, aspect, um, Emma. Do you, do you think that, you know, have you got any sort of specific examples or particular posts that, you know, sort of really captivated and got lots of shares and um, interaction? I think, you know, a lot of it was kind of us as team captains, the banter that kind of went between it. I know that I kind of made a bit of a joke about how we'd done really rubbish in the Six Nations as a, as a Welsh team in previous years. We're doing better this year, I have to say, but, um, you know, and that we this was our kind of chance to beat them and things. And it was all about kind of just 
I suppose pulling at people's heartstrings almost, I think I was trying to, we're trying to get that kind of um, nationalism sort of getting people going. And then, um, you know, for me, it was also about kind of people having an opportunity to do something and feel part of something. I think that's one thing that we've all struggled with in this last year is feeling part of something. We would usually go to events where we'd be together or we'd usually kind of go to meetings or, or you know, shows and whatever that we were part of something. And we've all kind of missed that feeling of, of kind of being part of something. And in this gave people that opportunity so I think that you know when we were kind of um, retweeting all of the um, like Sheena said the images and the the runs that people have been doing and you know the Strava groups where we were kind of geeing people up and getting people going people really felt that they were part of kind of a bigger picture which I think really kind of pulled people in at, at a time when everyone's feeling quite isolated and lonely. Mm, yeah, no, you, you obviously got the timing absolutely um, spot on. And, you know, I guess you, you didn't even know when you first started launching it that there'd actually be a, a lockdown in, in January, which uh, presumably sort of helped your cause and, you know, help people really, you know, connect with the need for sort of a mental health kind of initiative. Yeah, and I think mental health is something that a lot of people have got far more awareness of now than they ever had before. And I think especially having kind of gone through that lockdown, you know, a huge kind of aspect of mental health in the agricultural sector is very much linked to isolation. And whereas before, probably a lot of people wouldn't have understood that isolation. I think now they get it. They get that kind of being apart from people and not having that connection. And so it kind of really it did. It came at a kind of really good time. And I think at one point we were slightly concerned about how these restrictions would um you know maybe would they stop people being going out to exercise and how would that work but actually it all worked out okay and if anything it, it was kind of a, a brilliant kind of timing because it allowed people to do something within a period where they would have probably just been sat at home and you know it, it, like Sheena was saying before that we managed to do the thousand miles within 24 hours and that's because on the first of January a lot of people perhaps usually would have been laying in bed hungover or you know dawdling around the farm doing different things whereas actually this gave them an excuse to get out which was which was really nice to see and the amount of people who got in touch and who were just really grateful um I think for that opportunity to be able to not one you know not only one kind of support a mental health charity but also as well kind of for their own mental health it's been amazing and and, then you know we have people looking forward to next year which is fantastic yeah no I was going to ask you about the legacy this is now a uh, a sort of a set annual diary date I guess yeah yeah we all feel like that um, we knew that kind of after we finished it it was something we wanted to continue um, and, you know, we're certainly looking forward to carrying on next year. And I think there's, you know, there's going to be a few changes. It was, you know, definitely something that we, we learned from this year. And I think Sheena would agree that we've all just kind of taken these ideas on now and we're ready to kind of go on for next year and make it even bigger. And then, you know, hopefully next year we won't be in lockdown and we'll be in a bit of a better position, but we'll still be having, there'll still be mental health issues and mental health will still be a big talking point. So it's still going to be an important subject for us to cover. Brilliant. And um, so, Sheena, this wasn't just for farmers, though, was it? It was it was a wider sort of industry initiative. Yeah, we, 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 I mean, I, I made it rural mental health and just anybody in, in the rural sectors could get involved. But even then, I mean, anybody could take part. If we're in the middle. I think we, we've had people from all over the world taking part and people in Sydney and um, I had somebody in Spain. And yeah, it, it, it is. It's, it's just everybody getting getting on board, helping. And it, it was actually, the one big thing that I just loved, it was, Emma's already put it, but it was the support. The support in the Strava groups was just phenomenal. People were saying maybe, oh, that they'd had a sore leg or the weather was really bad and they felt guilty for not getting out. But there was always, 
all of a sudden chat on going and conversations happening and, and yeah, people just didn't feel alone in January. Right. Yeah. No, so, so important and a huge congratulations. Do you, do you know what sum you've actually raised at, at this point? It, everything closes at the end of this month, but um, I did check before I came on and um, at the moment we're sitting at £47,227. Oh, that is absolutely incredible. Um, sort of sum up with a, a bit of a plug for your five, for your five charities and uh, where people can go if they still want to donate. Um, the website is agri5nations.com and the five is actually the number five and the charities are Do More Ag, RSABI, Farm and Community Network, DPJ Foundation and Embrace Farm. Fantastic. And congratulations again, both. Thank, Thank you. you very much. So that brings this episode to a close. You know where to find us on all the major podcast platforms. Just search AgriFood Comscast, or you can also find all the episodes on the Pinstone website. Until next month, take care. I'm Catherine Lynch. <laughs>